we're going to, amen. I, as I prayed and sought the Lord, I feel like He wants me to continue to preach on the subject of our practical commitments. We've looked at worship. We've looked at the importance of prayer. Tonight we want to move on and look at the need for confession. The need for confession. One of our practical commitments is the importance of confession. If you will, stand with me please. And turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading with verse 9. Our practical confession says, Through confession of our sins to God, we are assured of divine forgiveness. Through confession of our sins to God, we are assured of divine forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins uh, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Listen to that again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hallelujah. Will you join me in prayer tonight? Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, and we admit that we are flesh and blood, God. We are creatures, oh Lord God, that's prone to mistakes and we're prone to fall short, God. Father, I thank you that we can, hallelujah, confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I thank you right now for hiding me behind the cross and helping me to say only those things which are expedient and needful for your body, God. I thank you for building up those, oh God, that the enemy's been tearing down. I thank you for restoring those that the enemy has wounded, Lord God. I thank you for having your way tonight. And God will be ever careful to give you the praise and glory and honor for what you do tonight and what you do in the days ahead. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Shake three hands before you're seated and tell them you're glad to see them in God's house tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Heard the story of a young man named Billy one time who took his father's car without permission. He was 16 and just got his driver's license and he wanted to show off his newfound skills to his friends. So Billy went to his friend Frank's house without permission. He thought he'd be back home before his mom and dad got back from going out to dinner that night. But of course, as things happened, Billy didn't make it back home. He got home and his daddy was sitting there with his arms folded and with his left foot tapping on the floor and a scowl on his face. He looked at his son, Billy, and said, well, how about it? Billy said, how about what? He knew he'd been caught. He knew he was caught red-handed, but he didn't want to make confession. He was scared about what the consequences were going to be. A lot of times that's how we are. We know we've done the wrong thing. We know we've said the wrong thing. We've acted out. How many times is it that we go back to our spouse or back to our children, back to our employers, and we say, you know what, I messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. 
And we don't ask for forgiveness because we are afraid of the consequences. Uh, Our practical commitment says, you know what, as Church of God people, we believe that when we come down to this altar and we confess our sins, or if we confess our sins uh, like many people do each night before they go to bed, they say, Lord, forgive me of any sins that I might have done. We confess them. We're faithful and just. We believe that God will forgive us. Aren't you glad that God forgives us? Hallelujah. When we sin and when we mess up, you ought to give Him praise and glory on that. We're going to look at three things tonight that mess people up. First thing that messes people up is the false impression of once saved, always saved, and there's no need to repent. Number two, we're going to look at the value of obedience. Hallelujah. Do you know there's value in being obedient tonight? There's value in doing what God tells us, uh, uh, what He wants us to do. And we're going to look at third, the need to confess. Why do I even need to confess my sins. Hallelujah. You know there's a need there simply because it's in the Word of God. Now, notice what John says here. And remember, John was writing to Christians, not to sinners. The Bible, the majority of the New Testament is written to Christians, not to sinners. And so we need to see how this applies to us. Look at what it says here in John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, that means when we miss the mark, When we confess our sins, notice what it says here. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins uh, and to cleanse us. Everybody say cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only does God forgive us of what we've done wrong, He takes care of what's causing us to do wrong. Hallelujah. Can you give Him praise on that for just a minute? Now notice what verse 10 says. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So when we are convicted by the Holy Ghost, when we watch something we shouldn't watch, when we say something we shouldn't say, when we do something or go somewhere, and the Holy Ghost deals with us, what our response should be automatically is, Lord, you're right. Forgive me and cleanse me. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that right where we at, we can repent. Now, if once saved, always saved was correct, why would that even need to be in the Bible? All my sins are forgiven. I can go do what I want to do. So, beloved, we need to understand and we need to realize here that, yes, we sin. Yes, we fall short. Yes, we mess up. But we got to be honest enough to come to God and say, I messed up. A lot of times we like little Billy in my opening story there. We're scared of what the consequences are going to be. We're scared of what people are going to think of us or that God's going to be angry with us. But I want you to notice what Scripture goes on and says here. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, notice what it says here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. Do you know your Bible is given to you so that you don't sin? So that you don't mess up? Hallelujah. It's to show you what's right and wrong. It's to show you what to do and what not to do. There are a lot of people, the reason why they sin is they never read the instruction manual. They never read what God requires and what God wants. Or if they do read it, they explain it away. Oh, well, that was for then. That's not for now. Or that just applied to a certain group of people. But if it's in the Word of God, we need to understand how it applies to us. And we need to live it. Now, notice what it says here. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not, but I love this. 
And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Can you give him praise for that? Hallelujah. There's a lot of people that say, well, I'm not going to live for it to, to obey the word of God. I'm just going to stand on grace. Beloved, you better be careful because there's an advocate who wants you to repent. Who wants you to get right with me. That word advocate means a lawyer. A defense attorney. Who goes to the Father. And he pleads your case. And he says Father be merciful with them. You know they're flesh and blood. You know they're weak. You know they mess up. Give them one more chance. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that Jesus is interceding for us. So we understand by these two uh, scriptures alone. Or by these first few scriptures that we've looked at tonight. That we can't rest on the idea. Well I got saved back when I was uh, 28 and I don't need to get right with God anymore. I don't need to confess my sins. I don't need to repent. Uh, I believe there's still a need uh, for the church to repent even though we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Even though, hallelujah, we uh, come to church and we read our Bibles and we strive to live right, we're still flesh and blood and we make mistakes. And the Bible says that judgment begins with the house of God and if a righteous man shall scarcely be saved, what shall then be of the sinner? We need to understand that we need to watch our steps. We need to watch what we watch. We need to watch what we say and where we go. Now, look with me at this. The need for confessing. Why do I need to confess my sins? Now, look with me at verse 2 of 1 John chapter 2. He is the perpetuation of our sins That word perpetuation means he's the payment for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. The reason why you need to confess your sins and your mistakes is because you're saying somebody paid the price for my sins. Hallelujah. Do you know the word confessing occurs 26 times in the Bible and the first four times uh, refers to confessing sins? Let me show you what I'm talking about here tonight. First of all, Leviticus chapter 5 verse 5. Leviticus 5 5 says, And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess. Everybody say confess. That he hath sinned in that thing. Leviticus 16.21. Leviticus 16.21 says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. You see there, not only does the individual have to confess, but the nation has to confess. Why are we in trouble? Why do we need to be worried about the judgment of God coming on the United States of America because of the sins that we're allowing to come in? Beloved, these aren't choices. They're abominations before a holy God because God required the nation of Israel to repent and we need to repent. We need to practice repenting. There used to be a time in the church of God, hallelujah, when preachers would call out people's sins while they were preaching. It's like the Holy Ghost would inspire them and say, you're doing this, you're doing that. I'm, God hasn't moved on me yet to do that, and I'm thankful for that, to be honest with you. But I said, praise the Lord. I believe that we need to be sensitive to where when the Holy Ghost deals with us, we can repent and get right with Him. Now, Leviticus 26.40. 
Leviticus 26, 40. Listen to this. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespasses, which they have trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary to me. You can go on and read it later on at home. But basically what God is saying, when you confess, that's when healing comes. So long as you say nothing's wrong, I can't do nothing for you. So long as you sit down there and you say, hallelujah, everything's all right with me and God and we're hunky-dory and I know I'm, I'm acting ugly toward my family and I'm acting ugly toward the people I work with and I'm acting ugly toward the people at the church and I know I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at and I know I'm listening to things I shouldn't be listening at. Beloved, and we act like everything's okay. All we're doing is heaping condemnation and judgment on ourselves. We can't lean on the blood of Christ with unconfessed sin. We must confess our sins and repent. Now, I want you to realize who the author of sin is. Look with me at Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Is this okay tonight? We're talking about the need for confessions. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And you say, wait a minute, that's talking about Adam's sin. How, did you, how can you say that Satan is the author of sin? Who was it that convinced Eve to sin? It was Satan. Who convinces us to sin? It's Satan. I don't want to preach where I'm going Sunday morning if the Lord's willing. But I want you to understand something. When you're tempted, I want you to realize it's the, it's the flesh that's tempting you, but that flesh is being inspired by the devil himself. Yeah. And the number one way the devil gets people is by them thinking, you know what, I'm big enough to handle this thing. Joseph was a mighty man of God who went through a lot and God restored him and brought him out of the dungeon and made him, made him head over all of Potiphar's house. But whenever when Potiphar's wife came to him and tried to tempt him to commit adultery, jo Joseph didn't sit down there and say, oh, I'm big enough to handle this. He ran. What do you do when temptation comes knocking? Do you run from it or do you run to it? Hallelujah. Now look at what Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says, We see that Satan is the author of sin because he led Eve to sin and Eve led her husband to sin. But notice what Romans 5 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now who was the one that was obedient? We know who it is, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. The Bible says that he was obedient even unto death. Hallelujah. Because he was obedient unto death, God gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I want you to realize. Go ahead and give him praise. I want you to realize that when you're being disobedient and you're breaking the commandments of God, you're following the leading of the devil. When you're being obedient, you're following the leading of Jesus. Ooh, that's good preaching. Go find that one on TBN and let me know how many, how many of them's preaching it. We need to understand something tonight, beloved. There's a lot of people that say, oh, well, you can't help it. It's your DNA life that makes you that way. You can't help it. It's your family structure. God puts his life in you. 
God puts a new character in you, a new nature in you, and He transforms you, and He calls you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So we see the need for confessing our sins. Sometimes we need to say, yep, I've been acting like the devil. God, forgive me. Yep, I messed up. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to follow you. Help me to yield myself to your spirit. Now, Numbers chapter 5, verse 7. Notice what it says here. Then they shall confess their sins which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. This is talking about when you've done man wrong. How does that apply to us in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked me that. You go to God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. So how can, how can I recompense death? How can I pay that back? You can't. That's why God poured all our payment on Jesus Christ. All to Jesus. I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Why? Because he paid the price. All I've got to do is confess that I've sinned. And all I've got to do is turn from it. He is faithful and just to, to forgive us of our sins when we do that and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now turn back with me to 1 John chapter 2. And look with me at verse 4. Go back to verse 3 first, brother. Verse 3 says, And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. Yeah. Not if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord. If we keep His word. Not if we put money in the offering plate. Not if we preach. Not if we sing. Not if we like gospel music. If we keep His commandments. Yeah. We know Him. Go ahead and give Him praise. I want to share with you lastly the value of obedience. The way you show you're saved is not because your name's on the roll of a church somewhere. It's not because of how many Bibles you got. It's not because of, hallelujah, what, how much TV, Christian TV you watch. It's because you keep His commandment. Verse 5, or verse 4, excuse me. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's powerful, ain't it? That's New Testament preaching. Hallelujah. Are you keeping the word of God? Are you doing what God says? And the value of obedience, number one, it shows that we know God. I know God because, man, it's been tough, but I'm still holding on to him. I know God because it's been tough, but when I've stumbled and fallen short, I've gotten right with Him. I know I know God because I'm striving to keep His Word, not because I'm just leaning on a confession I made 20 years ago. Not because of how I used... Mm -hmm. Not because of how I used to do, but what I'm doing right now. Not because of hallelujah... What I think people think of me, but because of what he thinks of me, because I'm striving to keep his word. Now, look at what it goes on and says here. Glory to God. Verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Now, remember I told you the danger of once saved, always saved. 
I don't know of a single sin Jesus committed, do you? So if Jesus didn't sin, I ought to strive to live without sin. Jesus went about doing good everywhere he went. So if Jesus went about doing good, I ought to go about doing good. Jesus went about worshiping the Father. He went to synagogue. Hallelujah. We come to church. Hallelujah. Jesus went about casting out devils. Jesus went about healing the sick. Uh, Jesus went about teaching the Word of God and being an example. That's how we ought to strive to live. Hallelujah. Give Him praise and glory in this house. What do I do, preacher? What do I do when I fall short? When all eyes are on me and I mess up? You dust yourself off, confess your sins, and you roll on. But here's the thing that trips so many people up. God's been dealing with me about this, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of it. I've been posting a little bit of it on Facebook. But here's the thing. A lot of people get emotionally wounded by church. Do you know that? They get disillusioned because prayers aren't answered. They get disillusioned because people let them down. They get mad and frustrated because things don't go the way they want to go. And they quit on God. But I want to tell you tonight, the same type of thing happened to Jesus. But he didn't quit. When he refused to start a rebellion in the garden that night. They all forsook him and fled. When, hallelujah, when he could have called 10,000 legions of angels to deliver him from Pilate's hand, and he did it, he was being obedient to the Lord. And I want you to realize and understand something tonight. God wants us to be obedient to him, hallelujah. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing. And I want you to understand something tonight. Because Jesus was obedient even unto death, he had a resurrection Sunday. And I want to tell you something. When you choose to be obedient to Jesus Christ, you might go through some dark days, but you're going to have a resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can you give God praise? I know you've been in suspense worried about little Billy. What did his daddy do to him? There he was standing before his daddy. Messed up as soon as he got his driver's license and his daddy was sitting there and his daddy said, well, what about it, son? That's what God says to us. What about your sins? What about your mistakes? Billy, knowing that he might lose his driver's license or worse, he just finally said, you know what? i got to trust that my daddy loves me and my daddy's a good man. And he said, daddy, I took a car without your permission. I did it, and I'm sorry. And the daddy said, well, son, you know a lot of things could have happened. You, just, you could have scared your mama to death. She didn't know where you were at. You could have got in a wreck. You could have got killed. I'm so thankful you didn't. Come here. And he took Billy in his arms, and he hugged him, and he loved him. And he taught him. He told him, he said, don't you do that again. And Billy learned something that night. He learned, yes, he's supposed to obey his father's rules, but he also learned this. His father was a merciful man and a forgiving man. Sister Sandy, I'm going to ask you if you will to come back to the piano and get ready to 